Hello, all you lovely souls who revel in embracing life just as I do. This is Nirja Malik and you are welcome into my world of I Embrace. And what do we intend to do here? We delve into the many layers and shades of my life, exploring resilience, positivity, strength, and the inherent fun and laughter that lies deep within each of us. Interludes from my own exciting and adventurous journey, my personal battles and victories that have brought forth innumerable lessons in my life. It is these learnings that I place on a golden platter with utmost humility for your personal consumption. Hello again, beautiful people. And here I sit still, thanks to you, delving deep into the memories of my mind so that I can further share myself, my thoughts and my emotions, my feelings, my experiences with all of you. I remember the last time I spoke, we discussed surgeries. Well, one of those days, while I was recuperating from my surgery, having had that wonderful Titanic experience, someone came to visit me and I asked her who, what, where, when, everything about herself. And she said that she had started a cancer support group. You will not believe how I felt. I felt elated. I felt excited. I felt... Here's my goal. My heart expanded. And I looked at her and I said, you know what I'm going to do? When I get back to Chennai, I'm going to start a cancer support group. Now, how could I say it with such vehemence? Because I'd done my graduation in social work, I've done my beard, and I was fully into doing those things already. And then came the voice of doom. And she said, sorry, you can't. And I said, why not? Because I felt that that was what I was going to do. It got me so excited. The cells in my body were, you know, absolutely raring to go. Ideas were forming already. And she said, stop, you can't. And I said, why ever not? And she said, you have to be a survivor. I said, what's that? She said, you have to wait for five years and survive and only after five years can you think of counseling people. 
And I said, why is that so? And she said that if you do and something happens to you, meaning that if you start your support group and something happens to you, then they will get disheartened. They will feel terrible because they're looking up to you and what you're doing. And then suddenly you've been diagnosed. So it'll shatter them. And guess what those words did to me? I felt dejected, rejected, neglected. I felt very bad. Because my hopes that had risen were dashed and smashed to the ground. Well, okay. But guess what happened? As soon as I went back after my treatment, my uncle told me that a friend's relative had come from Calcutta and he was in my hospital. My hospital? Yes, where I had been diagnosed had become my hospital. <laughs> so, <laughs> and could I go there, meet him and pep him up? So I said, how come you thought of me? He said, because you went for your treatment, you've been coming and going, and there's been no difference in you and your attitude of strength, resilience, and courage. Except for the fact that you don't have any hair. Your hair has fallen. And I said, all right. And at that moment, my darling listeners, I forgot completely about the fact that I was supposed to wait for five years. I went to meet him. He was sitting on his bed, slumped, miserable. It was a Muslim couple. The wife was standing next to his bed with her hair covered, crying into her dupatta. That is the scene that met my eyes. I paused, I smiled, I went in, I introduced myself and then I spoke about my experience. I spoke about my surgery, my chemos and my radiation. And believe it or not, within 20 minutes, the entire atmosphere of the room had changed. He was sitting on the bed like a pathan, a king. The bolsters were missing and so were the grapes that he was supposed to pop into his mouth. And the hookah, of course, was missing also. But he was in good spirits. And his wife wasn't crying anymore. She was running around trying to get me tea or coffee, biscuits, samosas, whatever I could consume. Everyone noticed. The administrative head of that floor noticed, the nurses noticed, the doctors noticed the change that had come about in this patient. They all took my number promptly in December of 1998. And that's when and how my counselling started. Now, why I am bringing it up is that seven years later, I got diagnosed again 
The first time was left breast cancer. Friday the 13th December 1998. The second time was 18th November 2004. Seven years later, and if I had waited five years before counseling, look at the amount of experience that I would have lost out on. I mean, it amazes me, and that's where I feel that whatever God wills happens. He willed me to be there for patients. through all their stages of diagnosis and treatment he willed me to experience everything and bounce back with renewed joy and happiness and i was meant to be where i was my counseling started on a voluntary basis and all the experiences of all those years It's been 25 years that I've been counseling patients and it has all helped. In fact, do you know that in 2004 on the day of my surgery, 21st of November, I had not even gotten out of the effects of anesthesia when I got a call from Chennai. and this friend of mine said that his wife had been diagnosed with cancer do you know for the next half an hour 45 minutes i explained everything about cancer about what the attitude should be about which hospital which doctors about surgeries chemotherapies radiations i told him everything and then i said that if required i can even give you the name of someone who would counsel you people through the bad times and he said to me neerja why would we do that we'll just come over home this evening and chat with you and i said you know what the advantages of a cell phone are that you never get to know where i am whether i'm in hospital or at a bar <laughs> or anywhere in a garden on a boat let me tell you i've just had a surgery i haven't gotten out of the effects of the anesthesia yet and that is why you can't come and see me this evening because i'm in a hospital in bombay and not at home in chennai many months later when i had recovered and i was in chennai and i met him somewhere i said hey, you never got back in touch with me and he said i didn't need to and i said wow that's fantastic and he said do you know why i didn't need to i said why and he said when i related to my wife that from your hospital bed you had given me all that information and you were not out of the effects of 
anesthesia yet. This is what she told me. She said, Oh, just listening to this, I'm inspired with what Nirja went through and was able to do. And if she can do it, so can I. So my dears, this is what I do. This is the ace up my sleeve that at the end of a counseling session, I just say, my dears, if I can do it, so can you. So that is my takya kalam or my statement that makes the world, mine and the patient's, go round. So I'm very grateful for all these experiences. Deep gratitude to the Almighty One above that I can use these, I can embrace them and I can pass them on. Because hearing these people get inspired, people get strength, and people move on. Knowing that there is hope and encouragement and love and laughter in the world and they are well protected and safe in the love and the faith and the belief of the great Supreme Almighty One who has created us and the universe that we live in. That is what I believe so strongly and that is what I live by. So from December of 98, I kept telling everyone at the hospital that I was diagnosed that I want to start a support group. And finally, on the 8th of March 2004, I was able to make my dream come true. And thanks to the hospital authorities, I was able to start it. Then in 2007, I became a consultant counsellor at the very same hospital. And the rest is history. Millions of patients, millions of relatives of patients, 2015, I started counselling from my own home, my drawing room, large enough to have at least 15 to 20 people sitting in it. Because abroad, if one patient goes, in India, one patient has mother, father, son, brother, uncle, aunt, grandmother, children that want to be there with the patient. And my house is always open to anyone who wants to enter for any reason. I welcome them from the depths of my heart and soul. I feel that they are my own and I will do anything to help them. Even to the extent of saying that I am available 
24-7. As word got around about the work that I was doing unstintingly in this field of expertise, this is my forte, the Department of State, United States of America, got in touch with me. And in 2008, October, invited me for a 21-day tour of six wonderful cities of America so that they could take us to all the hospitals and show us the best that was happening in this field of breast cancer. It was called IVLP, International Visitors Leadership Program. There were 14 people from all over the world, radiologists, doctors, surgeons, women who ran NGOs where breast cancer could be diagnosed with mammograms and other things. There was also a journalist from Japan and people were there from China, Serbia, Russia, Philippines, Macedonia, Turkey. They're all my friends and I love them so. But I was the only one in that group who had actually gone through breast cancer twice. In fact, we landed at Washington and uh, the first city that we did drive off to from there was Baltimore. And we passed John Hopkins Hospital. And I automatically said, guess what? 10 years ago, my tissue came here. There was stunned silence, you know. They didn't know how to react. So they looked at me and they found that I'd said it in a very matter-of-fact way, not asking for sympathy or anything. And I said, wow, what an experience. And I laughed. And the whole bus laughed with me. In fact, at one of the meetings, I remember that a lot of people were saying that they have liaison officers, they have social workers, they have patient navigators, etc., etc., who take care of the patients from one end to the other, get them diagnosed, help them through everything. And uh, I stood up and I asked them one simple question. What happens after hours? And you know what they told me? They said, oh, we have 1-800. And I said, well, you know something, I am the social worker, I am the counsellor, I am the liaison officer between <laughs> the patient and the doctors, and I am the patient navigator, and I am also 1-800, and they were shocked. They were shocked that one person is playing innumerable roles, and they said, 1-800? I said, yes, because any and every patient I meet and their family members, I make it very clear to them that I am available 24-7. Why? 
Why do I say that? Because when a patient is going through something, the worst moments in her life are at night, when a thought worries her like a worm going round and round and round in her brain, and that's the point or the time when her family is asleep, and she has nowhere to turn to. And I make it clear to them that if they call me up, whether I take two minutes, twenty minutes, or two hours, at least their queries, their questions that were worrying them, bothering them, making them cry, I would answer, and they could go back to sleep, and so could I. They would have a good next day, as would I, and that. Sincerity, that passion, that dedication with which I work, is what touches them, gives them hope, and makes them move on. I'm very grateful that a lot of thoughts that I have come to me, as if from the treasure house of the universe, and I pass it on, and my sense. Of purpose and achievement gets fulfilled. My happiness gets multifolded, if that is such a word. When the patients I talk to, their families I talk to, start smiling and recover and move on. The patients that have come to me, full of resistance. As if they have been forced by their family or their doctors or their floor admin heads to come and meet me, they come with resistance. They come not wanting to talk. They come with the idea of just wanting to curl up and die. And then I start talking, and from being far away and removed from me in body. As well as in mind and soul and distance, they slowly start coming forward, and their face from distrust, resistance, and despair changes to one of interest, one of hope, one of questioning, and as I know that. I can mold them as putty in my hands. The last thing that I let slip into the conversation is, "Come on, finish your treatment quickly, and come and help me." And you know something? Once your treatment is over, everyone in the area you live in will come to you for advice, and you can give them first-hand knowledge. Of what you went through, how you went through it, what were the feelings, what was your attitude to overcome this adversity, and that is what I believe. That what I do has a ripple effect, and that ripple effect might be starting with me, but gradually it overtakes and impresses so many who imbibe. The values, and pass it on, so that others can benefit. By it, others can feel the hope. 
and others can't conquer not only cancer but whatever they are facing in their lives that is what i believe i coined the word conquer i've been calling myself conqueror for the last 25 years and i feel very happy when i find that hospitals people use this word cancerous conquerable cancer can be overcome because i know that it started with me when i was diagnosed i ran to my father and i said papa i'm going to fight cancer and you know what this warrior this indian naval officer this captain of the ship this aryan this soldier told me someone who is one a mention in dispatches for his part by taking his ship right towards chittagong and participating in the 1971 war he turned to me and he said beta why do you want to fight cancer fight is a negative word the feelings behind it is that i will kill you i will destroy you i was shocked that this was coming from my father after a pregnant pause i asked him i said papa then what do i f- say what do i feel what should i do and he said don't fight cancer face it and that has been deeply etched in my mind in my psyche and that is what i tell every person i come across doesn't matter if it's not cancer it could be anything don't fight it face it hum honge kamyaab we will overcome this is what i pass on my dears and this is the ripple effect of love caring concern prayers and blessings coming from the very depths of my being till next we meet again goodbye god bless i embrace isn't just about my journey of conquering cancer it's about embracing life in all its entanglement and beauty remember in this journey of life you are never alone and i need to thank you for becoming a part of this inspiring journey thank you for joining me today on i embrace and my heartfelt wishes stay resilient stay positive and most importantly keep embracing life in all its glory <laughs>